Hi, this is Jack's Corner, where I discuss issues on society and culture here in America. So hello, welcome back to my corner, Jack's Corner. Here I am, Jackie, with Veronica the Duchess. And uh, one of the things we want to talk about is the COVID vaccine. I was recently vaccinated. I received my last vaccine on April 13th. Um, Today is April 23rd, 2021, Friday. And uh, so I received it and I only experienced fatigue on the first one. I experienced a sore arm, like really sore, but not as bad as the second one. But other than that, I feel great and... Um, I was at first hesitant to get the vaccine because there's not a lot of research done in the the effects of it and uh, long-term effects. So uh, I feel fine, and I think most people do that get the vaccine. The cool thing is Veronica hasn't been able to get her vaccine, but we are going to be getting hers on Monday. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm glad. Unfortunately, I fall within the cracks of the timeline so people my age, which are under 65, that um, we're not allowed to get the vaccine until we're 65. But anyway, they opened it up. So now I'll be able to get a vaccine in just a few more days. And I look forward to that. Great. Great. Um, I want to thank our listeners for listening to the last podcast. We got some feedback. We said it was a great podcast. So thank you for that. You we really much. appreciate that. And uh, today we're going to have Veronica read another story from her prison days. Okay, well, thank you, Jax. Um, This is an excerpt from Sister Me I wrote while I was in prison. 8-23-1988. Wrote to my mom. I always try to be brave when I write my family. That's important. Cushing the blows for them. The less they know, the better wouldn't want them aching any more for me than they already do and blaming themselves, searching the past for where they failed me. Hell, they were just kids like me. No one has all the answers. We stumble through life, picking up lessons here and there, if we're lucky. What working class families or single parent has the luxury of reflection when they're saddled by poverty? Not many. Almost all parents want a good life for their kids. Mine did, still do. I don't blame them. It was just one of those things. All the circumstances added up and I did what I did. So it's my debt and I pay. No one has to carry the burden but me. It should be that simple, but it's not. My loved ones are always carrying the burden. My son has to do without any parents or family anymore. I hope the foster care people love him. He's a good kid, just travel down the hard road, and that's my responsibility, too. Hope one day I can find a way to heal those wounds. Somehow make up for all these years. Make something of myself to ease the burden of shame he must feel. Having a mother who really messed up. Some good news. Last week, as my smokes were running out, I reluctantly split my last few with a pretty black woman, Pam. She said she'd do me right. Now, you get so you can tell about people by how they talk, where they've been. I knew she had pulled some joint time, whole time. 
I didn't really care whether she had paid me back or not. I gave her what I could spare, just because. When you've lived through it and you recognize a sister me, it's a code to do for them what you can. That doesn't mean screw yourself over. It means you just give a little bit more than you normally would. A bit more compassion. Whether they're a prisoner or a free will person. Once you recognize the blues as pinks, and you know the other person has too, yeah, you do for them. I wrote a poem, used to write hundreds of years ago. It said something about, when you know B.B. King be singing in the blues, or excuse me, when you know Billy King, B.B. King be singing in the pink, then baby, you know you've sung the blues. 8-24-88. It's hard to keep these days. Date and time up, no clock or calendar, and sleeping a few hours here and there. Being awake and constantly drives normal sleep routines to hell. Anyway, Pam did give me some top tobacco rollies and Thelma too. That that and crackers, soup, baby oil, socks, lipstick, paper. It never ceases to amaze me how those with the very least tend to give more than those with everything. Not all destitutes are generous, but Sister Me's are. I picked up that phrase from Mick, a woman I grew to love ferociously. Six years of shared intense growth can't be undermined by separation, it seems. She's been out of prison for two years. I received two personal letters today, one from a longtime friend, the other from an ex-husband of one of my former cellmates. The United Farm Workers Union sent me a notice that Cesar Chavez has begun another water-only fast for the UFWU. I support their work, and life goes on. It felt good to make contact with some part of my own network. I hadn't realized how much I would have come to depend on that part of my identity. When I was first arrested eight years ago, I kept contact with and no one but my immediate family. Before my trial six months later, even they had fallen away, all but my mother. I understand that the majority of my associates were in no position to be associated with me in any way. For such important people, scandal is to be avoided at all costs. Recognizing that I could only maintain further ties by keeping a complete distance and silence in the short run, I didn't seek their support. By the time I arrived at WCCW, I was devoid of any and all past except my crime. Those with whom I had spent so much of my life and time, after the Mexican marijuana smuggling episodes, were now banished from my considerations. I no longer had identity by way of community relations. It was like going to sleep and waking up to discover you were completely alone in a new world with new customs and rules. It was to be the beginning of starting over, learning the basics. There was even a new language, verbal and physical, to be mastered. Re-socialization to a foreign environment not just that part of the prison, but more directly, the world of the prisoners. All my previous attitudes and devices for survival were now deadly, D 
dangerous. In prison, classism is lethal. There are nuances in prison, prison language that may take years to learn, but it takes huevitos to earn the ability to possess the stuff behind it all, if you're lucky. You'll learn them quickly because you openly and honestly seek your rightful position in the community, and that engenders respect. Those nuances are more emotive than free world properly spoken English. Prison talk is more robust. Accent, tone, octave, pause affect the hearer more powerfully than the actual words of aggression itself. Coupled with body posture, stylized gesture, speed of motion, it is at best poetry in action. I've been enthralled with the honesty of their language. It captures the true spirit of life itself, totally expending every human means to making a precise communication. The impact is so strong that the whole message can be grasped within a few seconds. Nothing left to doubt, to be clawed over chewed over later. A master of it can lead a whole room full of strangers to an exact point. Remarkable. So what? So prison is a place of talk, meant not silence, and the talk is richer and means more than if it were done in a class-bound way we learn in the free world. The postures and tacitly accepted deceptions that are part of free world speech can't get you anywhere behind bars. Bottom line is, it's not a community which exalts corruption. Rather, survival and heart, fairness and strength, respect, never given, but earned. Well, I'm going to cut off there. Okay, thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Any, any words today you'd like to... Pass Anything on. you want to discuss? Um, um, I think I think we should probably touch on the 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 Devin Chauvin trial because you said that even though there was justice, there was still a sense of injustice because there still needs to be more change. Oh, without a doubt. You know, we've had racism active and alive in our country since the beginning. Um, historically, it's just. I know you were telling me the other day that Kamala Harris receives racist threats and comments. And that shocked me because I didn't think we're still dealing with the racism like that here in 2021. Yeah, it's it's astonishing and totally immoral and wrong. But, yeah, there are those people. Kamala Harris is our vice president. She used to be a senator out here in California. There are those people that um, and I use the word ignorant in a loving tone because it's just ignorance it's not that they want to be stupid it's that through lack of education and proper knowledge they become racist and you know it's sometimes people can project their own frustrations into other races um, assigning all the blame for their failures to another race which you know anyone that's mature enough knows that that's not realistic unless of course we were living during slavery and we were blacks and that would be real but right now 
um, for whites to be arguing that they're taking away our opportunities, minorities, yada, yada, yada. Well, that's just pure ignorance. And um, anyway, that's a really political hot topic, so I won't press it. Yeah, yeah, because if they really wanted to advance or or go for a certain opportunity, they you just do it. Well, to some extent, there's still you, but, the rednecks but, and the prejudice that's but it's you, endemic inside yeah, of all of our politics. Yeah, they have to go beyond that, beyond well, that race. Well, you can try. You can try. Thread. They have right. to go beyond well, it. We and, should. and it's sad that there's people out there that can't see right. past it. That's right. And I think a lot of it is um, it's 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 instilled in them from a young age, and it comes from the parents. Or the Old community. school, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's pretty shocking. I was thinking about all the people that have um, been running amok in our neighborhoods in America and hurting people, killing them. And I thought long and hard about that a lot lately. And I was really taken aback because I think the frustration that's carried out by these people, it's. It's nonsensical, you know. It's not like an assassination of a political figure that threatens, you know, you're part of the community or whatever. You know, these are just people that are running amok. They get a weapon and then they run amok. Blind, blind. You know, I recently listened to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talk about her thoughts on the the Chauvin um, trial. And... She was saying that there still needs to be more change. Of that, course. and 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 I I can understand where she's coming from because she'd mentioned the school to prison pipeline. How in schools they have cops instead of counselors. That these kids need to be counseled, right? And not sent into correctional facilities or threatened. Yeah, or threatened, of course, while they're trying to get an education. So. Uh, there's things that happen, they go on at home, I'm sure, that affects their their education or their level or their ability to grasp the education that's being Here's given. Here's something that I've felt for the last probably 50 years. I believe, and this is radical, but I believe that people should not be allowed to have babies until they have a license and are registered. They have to go through classes to be sure that they understand that when a baby cries, you don't hit it. When a baby has, you know, how often they dirty a diaper, how often they need to be fed. We teach people about civil war, which is distorted anyway, according to our history books. Um, we should be hands-on dealing with the problems right now because that child leaves an abusive environment, comes out to a school where there's hostilities or frustrations, then they act out violently. And I think that we need to go all the way back to the people that actually have babies. And uh, I think that there should be forced uh, sterilization in some cases um, when you consider uh, real rapists. And I'm not talking yeah, about Yeah, I was a guy just going to say sexual yeah, offenders, you right, know. Right, Not a guy who just um, is drunk and forces his girlfriend to have, you know, sex and blah, 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 which is not right. It's an assault. But the other types of sexual assaulters that um, 
are repeat offenders and they'll keep doing it and doing it. It's an illness within them. You know, as unpopular as it may sound, I do believe in the death penalty, um, castration. I know castration has mixed results. Probably execution is better. may sound radical, but um, there are some people that are really, I've learned over the course of my life that there are some people, I'm talking about serial killers, that... Yeah. 10 years down the road and they're still espousing they want to go out and kill people yeah Come they have no now. remorse no remorse at all yeah I could tell you guys things from the two serial killers that I know new three actually um, but I'm not gonna because I, I don't want to hurt all the other innocent people based on what these people said and what who they wanted to kill it was just uh, shocking to me yeah, you were a magnet for serial killers. Well, I had pursued um, interviewing serial killers. That was all. Because back in the day, in the 70s, there hadn't been any knowledge really about a sociopath versus um, a psychotic um, versus schizophrenia. They kind of just labeled all of these crazy people into one category, which it's not the way it's supposed to be. Now we know that. But there are people that are seemingly normal, that are methodical, and uh, they will do everything they can to destroy human lives. And they don't care, and they don't change. Those are the people I'm talking about the capital punishment for. Not some 17-year-old okay. kid that goes right. into 7-Eleven and uh, shoots the person, you know, whatever. Okay. Okay. I can see that. Yeah, it's a hot topic and shouldn't be discussed very much publicly. But Okay, well, we discussed it here on Jack's Corner. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, this is going to be a short one. We are going to try and put these out once a week. And uh, as I've said before, we have YouTube videos. I have this one video that I put up on Lee Macmillan and depression that keeps growing in numbers. That's at over 580 views. And I'm glad because it's getting the message out. You know, cyberbullying is just bad. It's not good. It doesn't have a good effect on people, bullying. especially if you're suffering, suffering from depression. Hey, bullying really push you to the edge is a weakness. You know, whoever the bully is, is weaker than the one being bullied, but people just don't get it. Um, those people that are bullying come from being bullied themselves, I'm sure. And they're messed up, really messed up. What my advice is, is if you know a bully, avoid them like you would a snake with a 10-foot pole because we're not going to be able to convert them into Christianity. We're not going to be able to alter their behavior by love. Um, let's let the professionals deal with them or the criminal justice system ineptly deal with them because just be careful guys just be careful a bully is a bully is a bully stay away from them yeah avoid them avoid them if you can block them from your content yeah like a lot of the people you that can. will harass and harangue you on your um your websites yeah put blocks up against them because these are these are people that are deranged obviously um and their whole motive is to try to hurt another innocent person and rather than spread that hurt and act 
back to them in a hostile manner, you know, hostile manner, just disconnect them from your site and uh, it's not your problem. You do not have to fix everyone that's broken that comes in your path, Mama. No, and we've tried and we've learned our lesson. Yes, yes. So, um, and that, you know, I'll say that when we were helping Yoli out, that ended up turning into a whole fiasco. She ended up doing some time in prison, in jail, actually. And uh, she just wasn't respecting our boundaries. And now there's a restraining order. So she doesn't come near the house anymore. So we just wish her well. God bless her. May yes. she uh, find a way to have a better life than living on the street. But it's not our problem. Yeah, we can't take it as no. our problem. We've tried to help, and it it, it didn't it backfired. Work. Yeah. But anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, I hope you all are well. And my parting message is really ascribe to love and prayer whatever religion you are, because that higher power is tremendous and it can transform your life. So with love and peace and good wishes for your family and loved ones, this is the Duchess signing off. Thank you. We'll see you guys in our next Jack's Corner podcast.